are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, November 4th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. If you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone. As always, thank you for tuning into the show today and for making Locked On Blackhawks your first listen to start your mornings. Aye, so close, but so far. On the show today, I'll be going over the Blackhawks' 4-3 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes last night, blowing a 3-1 lead in the process. I'll also go over some other key stats and takeaways from the game as well as the Hawks now drop down to 1-8-2 on the season. And then, to wrap things up, I'll have a short conversation on Brad Aldrich officially getting his name X'd off the Stanley Cup yesterday. That and more all right here on Thursday, November 4th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. But to start off the show today, folks, let's get into the disappointing 4-3 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes last night. Beyond frustrating. I was in attendance at the UC. First off, before I even get into anything, let me tell you all, this was by far, not even close, it was by far the emptiest I've ever seen the United Center in my entire life. I mean, I think the final number was a little over 16,000, and honestly, just off the top of my head, I cannot remember the number ever being that low. To be fair, I, w- I was still a little baby during the dark ages of the Blackhawks in the early 2000s, um, but the attendance last night certainly was eye-opening to me for the wrong type of reasons. Um, but with the Blackhawks now falling to 1-8-2, and two folks, through the opening 11 games, I can't really say that I blame people for not wanting to show up and watch this team right now because it's just entirely too predictable what's going to happen with them. Um, and while Wednesday's effort, I will say, especially those first 40 minutes, was definitely a step in the right direction, especially against a previously, or I guess not previously, a still undefeated Carolina Hurricanes team. I mean, the Blackhawks had a two-goal lead on them at one point, but just as they've done in the few other times that they've been able to establish a lead this season, easy come, easy go for the Hawks. Heading into the third period, they were up 3-2. to two. I was hoping they could come out with some and generate some momentum like they did in both the first and the second periods. But that wasn't that wasn't what happened, and it all changed in quite a hurry for the Hawks as Jesper Fast scored just 17 seconds into the period to tie the game 3-3. Three to three. Hawks get caught napping right off the faceoff, and then less than three minutes later, Marty Natchez 
sneaks a shot past Marc-Andre Fleury to put the Canes ahead 4-3, to one that Fleury 100% should have been able to stop and one that he probably lost some sleep over last night. And just like that, boom. All the hard work, all, all the grinding away and the momentum that they fought so hard to get, all of that was gone and all for nothing because of a three-minute stretch to open up the third period. And those are the types of lapses that continue to keep costing this team time and time again right now. This was something I actually also discussed with Ross Leviton from Lockdown Senators following the win on Monday night. But the Blackhawks just have been on the wrong end of all the momentum goals this season, more times than not. That's why they only have one victory. They just can't seem to get that all-important next goal that they need to kind of put things away and head them in the right direction. And I know it's tough to get those next big goals against a very good Carolina Hurricanes team, but it's just disappointing to see it happen time and time again. And also, to come out completely flat and not ready to play with the game on the line in the third period. And of course, up against, you know, a a very deep and hungry team like the Canes, of course they pounced on the Hawks when they were down. They get two quick goals before anyone could even really know what's happening. And and by the time the Blackhawks were kind of reeling it together, it was already too late. The Canes went in full-on full shutdown mode. They killed off a couple of big penalties late, and they secured their come-from-behind come from win in the Blackhawks building. And honestly, this is something that the Blackhawks should try and learn from because that's how you're supposed to play with the game on the line, folks. When it was time to see who wanted it more, Backs against the wall, third period, crucial stretch of the game. Without a doubt, the team that wanted it more was the Carolina Hurricanes in that third period. But the first 40 minutes, I do want to talk about some bright spots for the Blackhawks here because I'm not going to harp on them too much. 1-8-2, and two, that speaks for itself. Um, but the first 40 minutes, I mean, it's definitely encouraging to see that the Blackhawks we're right there with one of the best teams in the NHL right now. And I know that the underlying numbers, the Corsi, all that stuff still didn't look great. I know Carolina was the one getting uh, more offensive zone time and creating more shot attempts and high danger chances. But despite that, I honestly, I'm still going to give the Blackhawks credit here because I thought they were hanging on pretty well in those first two periods. And even when the defense was a little bit lackluster, Marc-Andre Fleury was right there on top of his game early in order to keep things in check. Unfortunately, one bad goal, the the one bad goal that he allows on the night, in my opinion, some people will disagree on, um, the Fast goals and also uh, the Fast goal and the goal from Seth Jarvis, both coming because of defensive blunders, though, first. I'm going to say that was the one bad goal that Marc-Andre Fleury allowed in the night, and had he not allowed that one, I would probably be sitting here saying he just had his third consecutive strong start for the Blackhawks. But again, in crunch time, a veteran leader like Marc-Andre Fleury, we're expecting him 
to make those kinds of stops. So it, it was a little heartbreaking that he was so good early on in the game and he wasn't able to carry that over into the third period. Another thing I want to talk about, though, for the third time in the last four games, folks, the Blackhawks were the ones to open up the scoring. After going six straight to open up the year without holding a lead, without scoring the first goal, they've now done that three times in the last four games. And Alex DeBrinkett was the one to get the Hawks started less than two minutes into the game. He split the Canes defenders, beat Frederick Anderson on a breakaway to make it one to nothing Hawks. And Freddie Anderson, I talked about him on yesterday's podcast. He had been phenomenal for Carolina so far this season. So credit to the Blackhawks for finding a way to beat him a couple of times early on, but sadly, just not able to beat him when it when it mattered the most in the third period. And also, a, a tough break for the Blackhawks led to this game getting tied up just a few moments later. Tony D'Angelo whiffs on a one-timer in the slot. The puck hits the bottom of his stick, and it bounces literally right into Derek Stepan's wheelhouse at the left circle. He puts it into the open net, and that is what evened up the score one-to-one after 20 minutes. The rest of the first period, I mean, there's nothing to talk about here, folks. It was a literal snooze fest. There were zero high-danger chances for either team in the opening 20 minutes. Think about that. Neither team created a high-danger scoring chance in the first period. I could have fallen asleep. The second period, however, thankfully gave uh, all the fans, including myself in attendance, a lot more to be excited about. Less than three minutes in, Riley Stillman tees up a clap bomb from the blue line, and Patty Kane, a.k.a. Johnny on the spot, redirects a shot past Anderson for his fourth goal in the last two games and also to restore the Blackhawks' one-goal lead, putting them ahead by the score by a score of 2-1. to one. And this time, in the second period, the Hawks were able to build off of that and generate some momentum after regaining the lead. Shortly after, Mike Hardman, a few moments after Patty Kane's redirect, forces an offensive zone turnover by the Hurricanes with some great hard work. He was... Able to drop the puck back to Kurashev for a little two-on-one, and then Curry pulled off a terrific backhand pass over to Debrinket for his second goal of the game, his fourth in the last five, and that gave the Blackhawks a 3-1 to lead near the midway point of the contest over the 8-0-0 Carolina Hurricanes. But, as you all know already, that would be the high point of the game if you're a fan of the Blackhawks. Not too long after Debrinket's tally, Eric Gustafson does Eric Gustafson things, gets caught in between pinching in the offensive zone, really wasn't sure to go or not to go, and sometimes that indecision winds up being worse than actually making the wrong decision, and that's exactly what happened to Gustafson here because he literally just wound up doing nothing. He was going to pinch, and had he fully 100% committed to the pinch. Maybe he was able to make some contact with Seth Jarvis. Might have been interference, but that's better than giving up a breakaway leading to a goal. So he didn't commit 100% to going, and then he, he kind of had a moment of indecision where he's like, do I do it or do I not? And that split second is what gave Seth Jarvis the separation that he needed. He skates in all alone, and... This was a, a tough one for Flurry to allow. Jarvis didn't even shoot it. The puck just slid 
off his stick, goes through Flurry. His first NHL goal, I'm sure Seth Jarvis is hearing, hearing some jeers for that one. Um, but that's what cut the Blackhawks' lead to just 3-2 to two heading into the third period. A mental breakdown by Eric Gustafson. And then Marc-Andre Fleury won that. He probably should stop, but anytime the defense allows a breakaway, I'm personally never going to blame it on a goaltender. Then the real killer, though, 17 seconds into the third period, Jesper Faust gets behind Jake McCabe. A bad decision, bad, bad, bad decision by McCabe on a three-on-two. That was a play that I actually broke down on my Twitter account if you want to go get a visual of that. Um, but if, if you're McCabe, you just can't bail out on the front of the net on a three-on-two unless you're 100% positive that you're going to break up that pass, especially when Connor Murphy, the defenseman on the right, took the guy carrying the puck into the zone at the left dot. If McCabe's going to commit to the cross-seam pass all the way, he better make sure he's going to sprawl and take away that seam pass to Jesper Fast. He didn't, and that's what left Fast all alone with Flurry to tie the game 3-3. Three to three. In, a, in a blink of an eye, the score was tied to start the third period. And of course, the Blackhawks, as they've done all season, when it, when it gets hard, they pucker up and don't do anything about it. A couple moments later, Marty Natchez sneaks one by Flower. Definitely one that he'll want to have back. Um, but that was all she wrote for this one, folks. The Blackhawks did get plenty of power play opportunities down the stretch, including a four-minute chance because of a double minor, but just weren't able to create all that much. And when they did, weren't able to beat Freddie Anderson for a fourth time. And Carolina. Managed to sneak out of the UC with a 4-3 victory last night, dropping the Hawks' record down to 1-8-2 through 11 games this season. Alright, there is a full recap of the Blackhawks' 4-3 loss to Carolina last night. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to get into some other stats and takeaways that I wanted to be sure to mention from the contest as well. But first, I need to talk to you all about Shopify. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses so that upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, can also synchronize online and in-person sales, and stay effortlessly informed. You can quickly reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. Shopify believes in liberating commerce for all because entrepreneurship has the power to drive communities forward and commerce can be a force for good. And right now, if you go to shopify.com slash NHL, all lowercase, then you can get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today by going to shopify.com slash NHL. That's shopify.com slash NHL. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment two now on the show today, I also wanted to be sure to go over a couple of other stats and takeaways from the contest that I wanted to share as well. First, just a couple of quick gripes that I have with head coach Jeremy Calton and his decision-making right now. Why, Jeremy? Why are there 
four or five guys who all essentially provide the same thing? Why are they all in the lineup at the same time against one of the best both offensive and defensive teams in the entire league? Why do we have Ryan Carpenter, Mike Hardman, Jujar Kara, Mackenzie Entwistle, and Reese Johnson all in the lineup together over two of the more offensive guys that we could have placed in there right now in Dylan Strom, who has the highest expected goals for on the team, and Adam Gaudette, who scored a goal against the Carolina Hurricanes last Friday, just two games ago for Gaudette, ladies and gentlemen. That just doesn't make any sense at all to me at this point. We'll start with Dylan Strom. At even strength, as I said, highest expected goals for on the team. Has consistently been one of the better analytical players for the Blackhawks in the past couple of years, especially when he actually gets the opportunity to play alongside other skill guys inside the top six, or even inside the top nine for that matter. So for Jeremy Colleton to bump him down to the fourth line on Monday and then to scratch him for last night as if it was a surprise that Strom didn't fare well when he was skating with Mackenzie Entwistle and Reese Johnson. I, I just, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. What are we trying to accomplish here with Dylan Strom at this point? And you can say all you want about him having three penalties in four games. Sure, I get it. But that's honestly aside from the point right now. What is this Blackhawks offense doing that is impressing Jeremy Calton so much? And even when Strom does get his chances, not one time this year has Calton placed him in a role to succeed or in a place to get comfortable in. So the, the Dylan Strom mishandling and saga, whatever you want to call it, further continued last night by him being healthy scratched over five guys who are all basically the same player. Um, or say They've provided the same role for this team through these first 11 games. And then for Gaudette, I mean, he literally scored on Friday night. The last time these two teams played, he was one of the few players that I honestly thought looked good in those opening 40 minutes. And and look, it's okay to scratch these guys every now and then. I'm not a head coach. I'm not the one that has to make these tough decisions. But for both of them to be scratched, as I said, against a Canes team that certainly has the potential to put up A, offense in a hurry, and then B, on the flip side, they can also play a shutdown game on D if need be as well. So I just don't get sitting both Strom and Adam Gaudette over Carpenter, Hardman, Kara, Entwistle, and Reese Johnson because, as I said, they've all essentially provided the team with the same thing through these opening 11 games. And by the way, Reese Johnson finished with four minutes and four seconds of time on ice last night. Why even play him? Mackenzie Entwistle finished with 7.34. Mike Hardman, just 7.44. Please, someone, someone make it make sense to me. Why did Dylan Stroman, Adam Gaudet sit over each of those three guys last night when they were basically going to play no role at all and provided this team 
with no help down the stretch on those power plays. Johnson wasn't out there. Entwistle wasn't out there. Hardman wasn't out there. Stroman Gaudette are two guys who could have been out there. Adam Gaudette could have been on that first power play unit instead of Ryan Carpenter into the bumper roll. We'll get into that in just a second. Don't worry, folks. We could have used those two last night, but instead, both of them were in the press box watching from high up. And the line combinations is where I want to go to next because they just continue to baffle me each and every time that I see them. Dominic Kubelik continues to be separated from Jonathan Taze. I, I don't get why those two aren't playing together. Instead, Kubelik's playing with Kirby, Doc, and Patrick Kane. Kubelik looks absolutely lost out there right now. He's also only got one goal in his last nine games. How about we put him with Johnny and try to get him going a little bit or give him a little bit more power play time? Um, and then the second line of Debrinkit, Kurashev, and Hardman just confuses, just continues to confuse me as a combo. That's a tongue twister. I didn't even, wow, I'm surprised I got that out. Continue to confuse me as a combo. I'm proud of myself for, for getting that off. Um, but yeah, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we're not going to play Debrinkit with Strom, but we'll play him with Hardman. All right. <laughs> and then, you know, Alex Debrinkit needs to be playing with more skill guys. Not Philip Kershev and Mike Hardman. Why can't we see Hagel there? Or how about Gaudette, someone with some offensive ability? Um, and I know Kershev is still very young and I hope has a bright future, but he's been pretty quiet to start this season. Made a very nice feed on that pass over to Debrinkit, but is he playing like a second-line center right now? I'd argue no, and I think most Blackhawks fans out there would agree with me. And then there's Ryan Carpenter in the bumper roll on the top power play unit, folks. This literally makes me want to scream and rip my hair out, especially when... You know, power play one is getting a minute 10 or even a minute 20 of every power play. Why are we throwing Ryan Carpenter out there? We have Kirby Doc. It's not like he's not in the lineup. Heard the kid's pretty good, Jeremy. Why not give him opportunities to succeed? In between Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Seth Jones, and Alex Dabrinkit. Why is Ryan Carpenter the one that Jeremy Colleton decides to put in that role? Someone, please. If if you have an answer for me, shoot it in the comments or leave me a review. I I do not understand Ryan Carpenter, who's literally never been a power play guy in his life, all of a sudden is getting these opportunities over Kirby Doc. We're scratching Adam Gaudette when Tyler Johnson's not in the lineup. Wouldn't it make more sense for Gaudette to be the one in the bumper roll on the power play? I don't know why Colleton is so obsessed with Ryan Carpenter right now. And this isn't to be a knock on Carpy. I mean, I know he can be a really useful player and he's extremely versatile and can be an asset if you use him right. But for him to be out there with the top power play unit in crunch time of such a meaningful game for the Blackhawks, like we need to start stringing together wins here, Jeremy, you know? So for him to be putting Ryan Carpenter out there with the top power play unit over former number three overall pick and Kirby Doc, I, I just fully do not understand that decision. And, and choices like that, to me, are what 
gets you fired when you're looking at a 1-8-2 record through, through the first 11 games of the season. Last, the final takeaway that I had before getting into the final segment, uh, this Blackhawks defense, I mean, they just continue to shoot themselves in the foot time and time again. I already talk about, uh, talked about Eric Gustafson and that blunder that he had on Seth Jarvis's first NHL goal. I've seen enough of Eric Gustafson. I've had it with this guy. Literally, I hope in an hour, Wyatt Kalanuck is able to rejoin the team for good and they'll have Gus on his way down to Rockford. This is just flat out bad. And honestly, I, I still can't believe they even had the audacity to bring him back. We knew what he was. You think he got any better defensively in his time in Philadelphia and Montreal in the last two years? Honestly, I'm, I was just thinking this. I'm, that might have been the final move Stan Bowman made as the general manager of this team. Don't quote me on that, but um, that, that would be something, wouldn't it, folks? What a disaster it's been for Gustafson. There's just no defense whatsoever in his game, and the offensive abilities that he, he can provide just have not been worth all the poor decisions and turnovers and lapses that he's had for this team since getting a, a significant amount of playing time with injuries and COVID affecting the defense. Also, ladies and gentlemen, Jake McCabe. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet from Barstool Chief. I'll, I'll give him credit. This one gave me a good, good chuckle. He was like, Jake McCabe, hard worker, right guy, grinds hard, sucked for the last month. Like, <laughs> Uh, Jake's, Jake McCabe is a guy you root for and you want him to do well because he's not flashy, he's not the most skilled, but he'll work hard for you and he'll block shots and he'll be that defensive defenseman that will stick his nose in front of a puck in order to get the job done. But it just has been a nightmare for McCabe so far with the Blackhawks. Like Gustafson, just continues to make bad decisions, has breakdowns defensively. His passing is atrocious. I have seen him make some of the worst passes I've ever seen from a defenseman. Uh, Seth Jones yesterday against um, against Carolina in that third period also made some ones where I was like, buddy, I mean, I think a nine-year-old could have known not to pass puck there. It is what it is. Not going to judge a guy for one bad game. but. Jake McCabe's now had about 11 bad games. Uh, and I don't know if it's the injury that's affecting him. Um, <laughs> I also had someone in my mentions say that he's been playing like Zadorov, And that, that honestly seems like a pretty a- accurate description right now. Again, I'm not sure if the knee's giving him some trouble or is bugging him or if it's coming into this new system. Not sure what's causing it at this point, but... He certainly has not played like a top-pairing defenseman for the Blackhawks through through 11 games so far, as uh, it, last night was another pretty poor poor performance, in my opinion at least, out of Jake McCabe. Alright, there are a couple of other stats and takeaways that I had from last night's loss to Carolina. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to have a quick conversation on Brad Aldrich officially getting his name X'd off the Stanley Cup. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag. 
your online sportsbook experts. And be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball has just finished up for the year. Congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. But now it's football season, folks. College and the NFL are heading towards the postseason. Also, the UFC has some incredible title fights coming up this weekend. And of course, most importantly, hockey season is back. So for any sport that you want to gamble on, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today. And be sure to use our exclusive promo code, LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Before wrapping things up today in just a minute, uh, I still wanted to be sure to talk real quick about former Blackhawks video coach and more importantly, registered sex offender and disgusting human being in Brad Aldrich officially having his name X'd off the Stanley Cup yesterday. And a few days back, I think it was either uh, earlier in the week or maybe it happened over the weekend, I honestly can't remember right now, but the Blackhawks did make a formal request to the NHL and the NHL Hall of Fame for Aldrich's name to be removed off of the Stanley Cup. Rocky Wirtz, I believe, uh, wrote up a letter and sent it to the NHL Hall of Fame, so... Nice to hear that the Hall of Fame followed through on this one and at least one part uh, of this situation involving the the NHL is actually handled correctly. Aldrich, a thousand percent, does not deserve to have his name left on the Stanley Cup for the rest of history. And I was reading an interview from Mark Lazarus this morning, not an interview, an article, excuse me, and... I thought it was really good. If you have a subscription to The Athletic, you should definitely go check it out. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic yet, what are you doing? It's the best up-to-date news source if you want to stay tuned for the Blackhawks. Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus are always on it, and that's the type of journalist I strive to be one day. Um, but I, I read Laz's article, and I, I thought he brought up a couple of great points about um, just just about this and how it's so important that Aldrich's exes, while they will forever be a stain on the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks and their history, it serves as an important reminder of what can happen if you prioritize the wrong things in this game. If you prioritize this cup before winning, these are the type of things that can happen. So it was a really, it was a really good article. Um, but it made me think, you know. Uh, are are more Blackhawks from that year going to be asked to have their names X'd out? I mean, I, I can't imagine any players would ever have that happen, and I know some are arguing for that, but what the players did on the ice in 2010 are off of it, and off of it are two separate things. And as Mark Lazarus said in his article, it's important to remember that those are two separate things 
but they all affect the same final outcome. The Stanley Cup team is forever tarnished, as they should be, because of the actions by the whole organization for not correctly handling the situation. Your name still gets to be on the Stanley Cup, but there's forever going to be those X's and those asterisks, not only alongside their names, excuse me, but also in people's minds. That was something that Mark Lazarus said that really stuck with me. So again, credit to Mark Lazarus, as always, for doing a tremendous job writing up an article on this tough situation. Uh, I wouldn't personally stop with the Stanley Cup with Brad Aldridge. I would for sure make him go and give his Stanley Cup ring back too while I'm at it because he definitely doesn't deserve to have that either, you know, in his possession for the rest of time or to even have the opportunity to sell it and and make money off of it, maybe for for lawyers and some stuff. Um, He doesn't deserve to have those opportunities. So I would go and take literally everything I freaking could from this guy that would give him an opportunity to make some money or something that he would be able to cherish for the rest of his life because he doesn't deserve that after what he has done to multiple human beings, not just Kyle Beach. Um, but, But the Stanley Cup, getting Aldrich's name off of that, Definitely a good start from the NHL. And Philip Pritchard, by the way, uh, sent out a picture yesterday. For those of you who don't know, Philip Pritchard is the keeper of the Stanley Cup. It's his full-time gig, which is probably the best job in the entire world. Um, But he actually sent out a picture yesterday confirming that X's had been placed over where Brad Aldridge's name used to be under the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks. But yeah, I... Like I said, I I really can't imagine any players would ever have their names X'd off, but right next to Brad Aldrich, you see names like Stan Bowman and John McDonough, Jay Blunk, Al McIsaac, Joel Quenville. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. I just wonder if that could ever potentially happen to any of those men for for their roles in what happened with Kyle Beach's situation. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that Brad Aldrich 100% needed to have his name removed from the Stanley Cup. And I think the entire hockey world, other than maybe Gary Bettman, um, can say they are happy with that decision from the NHL Hall of Fame on Wednesday. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Thursday, November 4th's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day.